0: Welcome, adventurer, to the Level Up Board Game Podcast, a show that uses your experiences and opinions to discuss board games and the gaming community. Join the heroes as they conquer perils such as meeples, cards, and miniatures, all in an effort to level up. You're listening to the Level Up Board Game Podcast. Welcome, adventurers, to a special side quest episode of the Level Up Board Game Podcast, all about some of the games that we're fired up for after playing them at PAX. My name's Patrick. Hey, it's Scott here. And today we have a special guest on the show, Mr. Will Brown, or perhaps as many of us know him by,
1: the Hungry Gamer. Welcome to the show, Will. Thank you very much. I'm auditioning for the part of the Kingdom Dung Merchant. I don't know if <laughs> it's open, but it's a very
2: important position, and I'm hoping it can be mine. It is. It's, it's, it's an awfully overlooked position there, so I'm, I'm glad you realize the importance of that role. Yeah, and I
1: want you to know that I, I brought it up when uh, Patrick joined me on Boards and Brews, and he acted like he didn't know what it was. Like, no idea. Like, why would someone want to be a dung merchant?
2: How do you merchant dung? The only thing that's worse than that is being a rag monger, where basically you're going around taking the rags to clean one's bottom and cleaning them up after people. So, yeah, I mean, the dung dung merchants look down on them. As when I said we're
0: a clean show, I didn't mean that. Well,
1: well, that's why we get the rag (laughs) monger
0: and because then we're clean.
1: Well, we had the opportunity to
0: talk last week people could tune in and watch the live chat for Boards and Brews. Tell me a little bit about Boards and Brews. Tell me a little bit about Hungry Gamer for the adventures that aren't aware of who you are.
1: All right. So I'll start. So Hungry Gamer is my alter ego. And the reason I'm the Hungry Gamer is when I, many years ago, a friend of mine was working for a sports blogging company and he told all his friends, you have to start a sports blog so he could get more people. I was like, okay, I didn't know what to call it at the time, like Scott, I'm a working actor. I'm a, in the actors union, all that. And, you know, I wasn't I wasn't starving. I was working. So I was the hungry actor. And that was my mm-hmm. shtick. So now when I was starting to review my thing. I was like, oh, well, I'll be the hungry gamer. Then someone said, well, bite on this box and I'll make you a logo. So that's kind of what the thing is. So you've probably if you've seen me, you've seen me biting on a box. Oh, yeah, that is me. And so I do reviews, playthroughs, how to play videos. I even do some written articles, maybe three of those each month. And they're you know, right there and with the description. But Boards and Brews is the podcast that I do maybe an episode every three weeks or so. And every single episode, I ask somebody else from the media community to come on and just babble with me. If you haven't, well, it depends on how much Patrick edits. You can tell I babble and I go off on every tangent that you can possibly find. So we come on and we'll babble about the games we've been playing lately, what's on our table at the moment. We'll find some kind of topic to talk about. Patrick, what did we talk about? I've already forgotten. Oh, min-maxing. We talked about min-maxing when you were yep. on. talks talked about playing your best. Yep, and then we will conclude with talking about a game specifically. And all the while, we drink a brewed beverage. Now, that can be a beer, that could be tea, that could be coffee, staple coffee. Yeah. you Coffee and, you know, kombucha. Is that brewed? I feel like that's brewed. It's gross, but I feel like it's also great. <laughs> <No brood>. idea. <laughs> yeah. You guys don't, you guys don't do that in Pennsylvania. That's a very calm. Nah, nah. And so what we do is we premiere each episode on YouTube because I recorded the camera as well, or it's a podcast, but when we premiere it on YouTube, we have the live chat almost always the other guest is there and you just get to tell us how dumb we are or how much you agree with us. As we go through and I love doing it. I, I'm jealous of you two that this is like your main shtick. I kind of wish the podcast was the main shtick, but it's not I for me. I feel like
0: we get sick with uh, sick of each other.
1: Oh yeah. Well, he, he just, Scott, I look at this guy he's like, I'm sick. of. Well, he stopped talking now. <laughs> but yeah, so that, that that is Hungry Gamer. You can find me on Facebook, on Instagram. YouTube is the, the biggest thing or just find me on whatever podcast app that you have. And Patrick is on episode 18 and at some point we'll have Scott on Ooh. and, you know, we'll talk about uh, scotch at conventions.
2: I That's like what we'll that. do. I, I will idea. plan to
1: have you on after origins and we will talk about the scotch we drank at the convention. Scott,
2: you got it. I like the idea. Well, hey, today we're
0: talking about packs. That's what we tuned in for. Let's start here, guys. I want to hear what was your favorite part of the weekend?
1: Will? you can have the floor. You're the guest. Oh man, that's that, that's a lot of pressure. Oh, come but on. I, it's I, a layup. I know exactly where you're going with this. I, I don't know that you do because I don't know where I'm going with this. Did it Was that on our thing? Oh wow, that was on there. I, I'm actually going to go with my early mornings at the convention. Mm-hmm. One, I would get there early to get one of the little media lockers and every morning I ran into another content creator because a certain two people I'm talking to never showed up in the morning to hang out with me. We would play a game every morning, and I was playing with Aaron Bradley, a game enthused channel. And we just wanted a game that I really loved, I'd never played, but sub astral. And every morning we'd play it into 20 minutes before we could go down onto the expo hall floor. And Mm -hmm. then then the mornings on the floor was the best because everyone was staying out real late, playing games late into the night. And not everybody had our fortitude to get up at 8 a.m. to be right back back there. Yep, be back there and just. It was open and spacious, and that combined with how safe people were being, I don't think I saw a single mask off the whole time I was there. I felt like if this is the new normal, I'm okay with
2: it. And that, to me, was awesome. What about you, Scott? What stuck out? Best part of PAX? I've been to Origins. I've been to PAX before, mostly as just a person going to enjoy it. Going this time uh, as being (laughs) as a (laughs) commoner. Yes, yes. Uh, going this time as a content creator... Guess what was it like having to walk without being carried? <laughs> is that hard? It is a little bit difficult. I mean, it's one of those things that you worry about those people that are carrying you. I mean, a little bit. But when they're not there, it's, it's so mundane. But no, the, the big thing was going as a content creator, it was such an exciting thing to go and talk to game creators about things and be on a level of... Kind of like a partnership of trying to work with them to get their um, games out to people to, to see and to play. And it was just a lot of fun to do that. It was just a, a whole different feeling.
1: So well, one of the fun things that, that you're going to find uh, as you go to more of these as a content creator and you guys get even bigger and bigger, I don't. this is going to sound negative and pejorative, and it's not meant that way. There's almost there's like a hierarchy of, you know, how established people are. Because the first one I went to, it was like, I was like wandering around, uh, would be letting there early. And people were like, why are you even in here? Who, who let you in? With the exception of one guy, Seppi Yun for Fighting a Box, who like shouted at me across orders, like, you, are you a creator? Yeah. Come take a game. <laughs> but with the exception of him, it was a very weird thing. But now when I go like, I can, for the most part, I get meetings with whoever I want. Most people somewhat know me. Not all of them, but then I walked around like with Jeremy Howard from Man vs. Meeple. And I swear to God, people were like walking up to him, like, well, you want to take a game? You want to take a game? Jeremy, Jeremy, take my game, take my game. He's got a and big reach. Cause we'd been joking about that, myself and Michael Kelly from One Stop Co op Shop. He's like, that doesn't happen. And I'm not lying. We were not 30 feet into that hall. And Leader Games just like walked up to him, just put an expansion in his hands. It's like, here you go. <laughs> oh, but must be nice. Well, it's coming for you now. That said, I happen to know for a fact that one publisher practically had to beg one Patrick Hepner to come see their game and take uh, one. Well, begged.
0: I- I don't blame them for uh, for wanting our coverage. You know what, Will? I will say uh, from our end, uh, from from what we do, the podcast side of things, it does make it tougher. Because you see Jeremy Howard, you, you know who he is. Because you see him when you're taking in his content. When you're taking a podcast, we don't do a lot of pictures. Even our promo stuff on Facebook, nobody wants to see our ugly mugs. So we just put up pictures of games and whatnot. And most listeners, I would bet, don't know what we look like. We're in the same game, but we play a very different position and it's not as visible a position.
2: No, what We're was your there. favorite part, Patrick?
0: Getting to play some games with Ryan, who taught me uh, how to play on Mars through GTS gave all that time to me, uh, showing me how to play some more difficult games online at that and getting to, uh, to play games with Josh, uh, not just... Any games, but he was in the unpub. He was showing off his game as well. So I had a chance to uh, to play Josh's game in the unpub. And you know, when we were all just chilling at the hotel down in that lobby, and I was like, okay, I don't get to game with Nikki very often. I don't get to game with Melissa very often. Some of the people that uh, well, we we had what I called the Wintrubo War Wagon. I came out with uh, with my friend Nikki, and she had her van packed with four of us, and then a few other people met up and. Josh came up from North Carolina and Ryan came in from New Jersey. It's just like these folks that I don't get to see very often. Sorry, the, the hungry what, gamer war, coming in the, from California. So the, the what war wagon? I'm still uh, stuck in that word. Uh, oh, oh, it's it, the last name. Wintruba. it was nice to be somewhere different. Having this convergence of people that I've only met online to interact with them and to game with them. That feels really good. That, that to me was was the highlight of the show. Well, guys, the adventurers tuned in because they want to hear about some of the games that we were playing. Let's do this sort of no rules. Talk about three games that uh, that we played at PAX that we had the opportunity to experience or preview in some capacity. We'll just go around the table one at a time and let's, uh, let's talk about what got us all fired up. Sounds like a plan. Guys, I want to talk about Brian Boru, High King of Ireland. Brian Boru is a game that has players competing to uh, sort of unite Ireland through might and cunning and even marriages. All right, now at its core, we got a trick-taking game here where everyone's going to get to take actions based on trick resolution. So you got this big old deck. Uh, It's an area control game. So obviously board, everybody's got some markers to show their control on the board. But the the main way that the game's going to function is you have this big deck of cards. You deal them all out to everyone and you're going to draft them, taking two at a time. Now, these cards, they've got numbers on them as well as a color. Uh, I believe it's yellow, blue or red. And there's a wild color too, white. After everybody's draft, you're going to take turns playing tricks. Say I lead with a red eight. Here's a weird thing. Scott, you don't have to follow in red. You can just play any card. But at the end of the trick, whoever has the highest red card or wild is going to win that trick. Then you go in kind of an initiative order for the turn. So whoever played the lowest card gets to resolve their action first and going around the table from lowest to highest who won the trick. In fact, you guys are all going to resolve your cards. Now the cards have a good act, like a big action on the top and then a couple small actions on the bottom. If you lost the trick, you get to pick one of those small actions that are on the bottom of the card. The person who won gets to resolve the top action of the card. usually has to do, well, I think always has to do with taking control of one of these areas in Ireland. You also have cards that are going to allow you to move on a marriage track, a Viking track, and a religion track. So all the while that you're fighting for control of the aisle, you've got three separate tracks that give you benefits for being on top of at the end of each round. Guys, this game is, there's some meat on the bones here.
1: I put it on the list. am can I just yeah. say about the last thing I expected you to say is it's a trick-taking game, and I also love that there's a marriage track. So is that just mm-hmm. like who can get married the most times?
0: <laughs> well, I guess they're trying to make a play on like getting your allegiances and sowing your your control based on family marriages. Well, we're gonna we're gonna gain control over there because we're gonna marry the prince. You know, I'm gonna marry my daughter off to the prince over there, and that's how. We're oh gonna yeah, I'm glad influence. you said
1: you added that off to the prince there. Like that was gonna be very <laughs> awkward for everybody. Oh my god
0: got to be fair about or, or whoever you know whatever fine suitor might be in that area of ireland
1: <laughs> what fine young lad so i, I this is a funny because this is the game that i would heard the most about and yet knew nothing about because people have been talking about oh brian baru brian baru Tatar, try brian baru you, know. yeah, you can't do that i
2: just caught it brian boru you're calling it brian baru i don't know what would brian boytano do if he was here right now is it brian boru it's however you want it to be. I mean, hey, just have some fun with it. How many other words do we, in court, court, court in, you know, that thing where it's wrong? There's the in, king's decree. Incongruously? But that's not.
1: Incorrectly. That's so incorrectly. the word I'm looking for. But it's. I'd heard a lot about it. People were very excited about this game, and I just knew nothing about it and kind of had in my head what it could be. And that does not sound anything like I thought it could be. Well, I want you to think area control first, because that's
0: what it is. And they just resolve the actions through that trick taking. And it's a very light trick taking. Again, you don't have to follow suit. If I lead with red, you can play whatever you want. In fact, it got a little awkward because after a couple of games, I thought about it, like the yellow four card. It never won a trick. The red six card, it never won a trick. Somebody's, because you're playing with just about every card in that deck, somebody's always got the wild. Especially if it's the last person in that trick of play, they're going to be able to trump you and they'll get to win the trick. That said, I'm stoked for this. I mean, it's a Euro game that can get mean. And I like that. I like whenever games are interactive and, and they force you to do things that make someone else go, ah, it, it does that. And it's not just a, I'm going to push my army into your army. It's It's subtle. Brian Brew, see now you have me saying it, <laughs> it's it's got the, it's got a light rule set. If you know how to do trick taking, or if you don't, I mean it's as simple as figuring out which number is higher, you're gonna be able to dive right into this. Aside from the area control, there's just three tracks to learn. The iconography in the game's phenomenal. Easy to understand how to play, and it plays over just five rounds. So you have a compact playtime as well, cramming all this game inside. I'm already looking for where I can get my hands on a copy. And coincidentally, uh, Nikki, who the driver of the war wagon, she already secured one. So we got one in uh, in our Pittsburgh play group. <laughs> I don't have to buy it now.
1: <laughs> so you came all you came all the way back from the con.
0: And you didn't get one. You know what? I couldn't find it there. Uh, it's an Osprey game. I should have pointed that out at the beginning. It's an Osprey game and Osprey didn't have a booth. I know that some of the like gaming cafes that set up shop and some of the stores that set up shop, I heard that some of them may have had a copy and I looked. I didn't look super diligently because I wasn't there to just go shopping for a copy of one game. But no, I did not come home with one.
1: So it was just like in a free free play evening. You You tried it out and then you just fell in love?
0: Yeah, well, I
1: I tried it out. Um, you know, I, I've been
0: following this one online a little bit, and it was in their their free play area. So, I sat down. Some folks were kind enough to teach it to me, and then promptly thereafter, someone else sat down. Well, Ryan, in fact, from New Jersey, a teacher Ryan sat down and he said, "Hey, you you want to get in a play?" So I showed him. Has, a play is is, Ryan is Ryan's,
1: Ryan's last name R- Ruru? <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. you uh, you know, I should have actually said. I'm glad you said that. One of my favorite things about mentioned. I actually didn't do. I only got to do it once. Is the free play area and how you can just kind of walk through and just have a hankering to play almost anything.
0: Uh-huh. And there will be
1: somebody there just sitting there forlornly looking at the rule book, waiting for someone to say, can I play, please, please? Say, oh, yeah. Can I sit down? <laughs> can you? Come on. And it's great. It's one of my fav- favorite things. And I, that's the only thing I regret. I didn't do a lot of
0: this time. Making it all the better. They have the little stands to say, I'm looking for players or I'm looking for a teacher. And some of the enforcers, they call them enforcers, but they're very kind and gentle folks that uh, help run things at the con. Some of them are teachers. They'll just walk up and they'll see that sign and be like, Hey, I can show you how to play that. And they'll just walk you right through the rules. I thought, Oh my God, I can learn like eight games in a day and I don't even have to crack open a rule book. That's like heaven to me.
1: (laughs) You know what? I will, I am not ashamed to say, that there are two games that I backed on Kickstarter that I may have taken advantage of media relationships to be taught how to play the game. And I'm when I don't have to open the rule book, <laughs> that's the dream,
2: right? Scott, you're on the clock. What do you got? All right, well, mine probably will not be as extensive as our discussion about Brian Baru, but I got a game in of Corrosion, and this is from Capstone Games, designed by Stefan Bauer. In this one, it's pretty vague. You're just assigning engineers to build this machine. Now, what you're building, I'm not exactly sure, but it takes a lot of gears. But as you're playing it, you are building long-term gears. You're playing one-time gears. You're playing short-term gears, all these different gears. The neat thing about this game was as we were playing it, we started feeling like, okay, this is getting long. This is getting uh, a little bit out of hand. Where is it going? And going right about the that time there, it just hit like, wait, I need one more thing here. And I got this engine running nice and smooth. I mean, it's really in its heart, an engine building game. Mechanically and literally. Yes, yes. <laughs> because because-
1: I, I, The first thing that has me fascinated is you have no idea what you were building, which... <laughs> I adore, like, I just have the image of Scott just sitting there. Was like, I got some, you know, I'm just going to put this gear next to it. You know, it's going to be a thing. It's going to be such a great thing. It's, it's going to be thing. a thing. The best thing that ever thinged.
0: Mine was a doomsday device. <laughs> Scott, but I think you, you were you
2: working it. on a weather machine.
1: No, no, no. That's a different game. <laughs> yeah, game.
2: That one's coming out sometime next year. But yeah, with this here, they have a really neat mechanic in the middle of it. There's a rondelle that you can take your turn to turn it. Whenever you hit a certain area, all the gears that are in that area rust if they aren't being taken or used Come and dumped. On. So they're wasted. So it's really an interesting way of doing this. As you're playing, you're going around, you're assigning engineers to different things. You're making your engines, your gears. It really works out well. Whenever you get to a certain point, like I said, it just clicks like, whoa, whoa. I just need one little gear to go in here, and I got this whole thing running smoothly. Each turn that I come around, it's going to just go and get me a ton of points. It's not a good one for new players. You're not going to be like, oh, you played uh, just one? Here, come play Corrosion with me. It'll be a blast. That was on Um, the heavier side of medium weight, wasn't it? Oh, my. Yes, yes. But it was nice. It's nice to have those games to scratch your brain that just like reaches that point that doesn't get scratched with other games. So it was very, very cool. I'm glad I got a chance to learn it at Capstone's booth and pick up a copy of it as well. So it was well worth the time to learn it and play it.
1: I just somehow missed the, their booth.
2: I, I know, uh, Patrick, you were saying the same thing. You didn't I found them. it there eventually. One? And you know what? It was like right in the middle of things. Mm-hmm. I
0: don't know how I missed it for so long. Scott said that, oh, yeah, there's just go visit Capstone. They have this and that. And I was like, oh, maybe they'll maybe they'll teach me coffee traders because I don't want to learn it.
1: Um, <laughs> Hold up. Found hold, it. Hold up. Now, I recorded with Patrick two weeks ago, a week before recording this. He's like, it's on my table right now. I am going to learn this game. Uh, that didn't happen. <laughs> I'll give you a quick update. It did not happen.
0: I still have my mind made up that I want to learn it for our meetup at the coffee shop, you know, coffee game, coffee shop. What kind of brilliance would that be? Uh, I actually, I had to take it off the table. We're preparing for a, well, I had packs and now we're preparing for a Christmas party at the end of this week. And I have the, the little one at home. My wife's working from home, but that doesn't mean that I can, you know, just pawn off the, the kiddo. So I haven't learned it yet. Nevertheless, though, did run into the capstone booth and glad that we did. And I'm glad they had the chance to get this one at the table and show me how to play it, Scott. It's got, at its core, uh, not only are you putting gears on the, the four, we'll say, cardinal directions of your machine in the middle that you're using the rondelle, that little dial to to tick around. There's a lot of card play. Mm. I play a card and it'll give me a little trigger. And it even has a little follow-up where other people with the same color card of a higher number can just say, you know what? I'm not going to use it for what it's for. I'm just going to use it for what you did and throw their card down. Right? Cards always go to the three spots. So they're always ticks away from the dial in the middle hitting the card. And not only do the gears rust, but the cards on the board will come back to your hand. The game gives you ways to manipulate that too. You can move your stuff around by spending steam. So oh, I need that car back a little bit quicker. Well, you can spend steam and move it closer to when the dial triggers for it to come back. There was a lot of meat on the bones there. And brother, you're not kidding. We went zero miles an hour for about 40 <laughs> minutes. And then like the lights turned on for all of us. And suddenly yes. it was like, holy crap, I'm doing more in a turn than I could do in six turns. At the start of this game it was amazing.
2: Yeah, it was definitely um, uh, something I'm glad to have in my collection now. Hopefully it'll get a lot of play and kind of introduce people to a heavier type of game there than they're normally used to. Scott,
1: you told me you really liked it when I met you at the end of PAX. That's all i would heard about, but it's I, I have a recent obsession with the Rondell mechanic. Mm. Because until a game that uh, one of you's talking about a little bit later, I had never owned a game with a rondel. Well, I have Merchant's Cove a, a little bit has has one, but like not a, like a true rondel. And now I'm obsessed with it. So now I've heard you say rondel and nonsensical gear creations, and I'm very intrigued. <laughs> Fun fact for corrosion,
0: Scott. Did you notice anything about the characters in the game on the cards and on the front of the box?
2: They are all women.
0: Yeah. And you know what? I didn't even notice. There's always that argument of like, oh, we need inclusion in games. And there's folks that say, oh, no, no. Things need to, to line up and be accurate. I didn't even notice. It was a fine game. And I didn't feel emasculated for having women turning the gears on the machine. It was
1: great. I mean, there, there's going to be people out, people out there who get, get furious, just like they did with a one deck dungeon and you oh, know, yeah. all, all of those things. But come on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
0: I'm going to save that audio and we're going to use that in future episodes. So whenever we run into something, we're going to be like, oh, what does Hungry Gamer
1: think? And I'm just going to play a clip of you going, come on. Come on. I, I hope that you get hundreds of uses out of that.
2: <laughs> now, Will, I know you played a lot of games here. What was one that stuck out in your mind?
1: First one is an actually a uh, YouTube can actually see it right behind me. It's a uh, from Reiner Knizia and R&R games. It's called Witchstone. Now this is one that I had heard I mean, everyone's heard of Canizia. It's very prolific. Like I, I he, he literally must just poo games
0: that are work. <laughs> it's good when you're a dung merchant.
1: Yeah. You know, I'm staying. I'm on brand. I'm on brand. I and mean, my jokes stink. Very <laughs> oh, good. Very oh, good. Oh. So this is a game where each of you is a witch and you're doing some of the witch stone. I don't know. There's witch stone. You're stoning it. I don't know. But. You have a little cauldron, and in your little cauldron, there are symbols of the different actions you can take. There's a witch action, energy action, there's a wand action, pentagram action, and there is a scroll action, and there's probably one that and a gem action. And what do those things mean? I'm not totally sure, because I only got to play two-thirds of a game, because I walked up and I saw it, and I was just all pouty that I couldn't sit down and play. And the lovely woman doing the demo was like, would you like to play? I was like, Ooh, yes. And so I sit down and then we didn't quite finish because there was somebody there. We had to go demo something at another booth. It's very, very high up muckety muck. But what's going to happen is you're going to take a little tiny tile, you know, with two little hexes put together and each of them has one of these actions on, it, you're going to put it in your cauldron. And then if you just were to put it like in the middle, whatever the two actions are on there, you get to take them. But if you connect them to another one, that is of a like symbol, so let's say I have on my tile a wand and a witch, and I put it down in a place to where it is touching two other witches and two other wands, I'm suddenly going to take three wand actions and three witch actions. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And some of these are going to let you go up some tracks or go around a little tiny rondelle or move gems out of your cauldron, because I don't know why you can't reach your hand in and take them out. No, 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 you have to magic them out. And there's one like super dark, creepy gem that's like even super maze balls if you get it out of there. Mm -hmm. Again, I don't know why, because I missed that part of the thing. You burn your fingers. That's a very good point. You're good going through, and then there's another, there's like a little map out there, and you're making these energy paths that you can connect. When you connect those paths, you can lay down a witch. I don't know why the witch lays down the board. I don't know. It falls from the broom, and you have to pick up the witch. And when you pick up the witch, it goes rocketing across these energy paths to another part of the board, and you get a thing. And I don't know if that sounds fun, but it is incredibly satisfying to play like it is the only game that i bought while i was there the only one i was like you know what i must have this right now and i tried to be cool i walked away that day and i came back early in the morning the next day and immediately was like, I'll just take this off your hands. And I could just see it on his face. I believe his name was Dan. He's with our, Games, and games. I could see him. He looked at me and said, like, I knew you'd be back. <laughs> oh, that's, that's their trick. They give you that first taste
0: free. Well, I understand this isn't a very interactive game. I mean, There's not a lot of player interaction. So it's, you're playing your own game. So I think folks that don't like having their stuff being hindered by other players are probably going to gravitate towards Witchstone.
1: Oh, absolutely. There's, there's a little bit. As you're, mm-hmm. you know, you're it's a shared path with the, the energy connections, you know, that's a shared path. But once you have your path claimed, no one else can use it. And there's bonuses on this little rondelle that goes around the wand track as it goes up. The first person to get to certain places gets stuff, but yeah, it is much more of a multiplayer solitaire type game, which is something that just thrives in my household. My wife, who likes Euro games, mm-hmm. what she hates is when I ruin her plan of what she is yep. doing. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is not a happy moment as soon as i do the thing she was looking at me like did
2: you just do that well that's something yep. that we like to nicely go on here a damn it moment so we always try and judge how good a game is and how many damn it moments there are the more damn it moments the better the game taking their spot
0: damn it
1: taking the card they wanted
0: ah damn it
1: <laughs>
2: yeah and, and so those i can get away with
1: Um, The other ones, a little bit less. I have other friends I play those with. But what it does is you get to make your own little engine that you're building. And it's so much fun to run your little engine. How long does the game take? I'm going to say probably an hour and 15.
0: Okay, so a pretty compact playtime. Sounds like a lot of game for a little over an hour.
1: That, that's my guess. Like I said, there was teaching going on and, you know, convention and people coming by and like, oh, hey, oh my gosh, I haven't seen you in 12 years. <laughs> so that that's my guess. Maybe, you know, hour to 90 minutes is my guess.
2: Scott, did you see this one on the table? I did not know. I remember seeing Witchstone in my walking through the aisles and everything, but I just didn't really get gravitated toward it. So I, I honestly didn't know that much about it. It's got well, some you know, nice components. It, it's not
1: an aggressive game. And I get the vibe that you guys, you know, like, like a little more aggression. I I would call
0: us, Scott, wouldn't you agree? I'd call us omni gamers. I'm perfectly content to play a game that doesn't have a lot of, uh, we'll say, interaction or aggression or bargaining or negotiating. Will, you're right. To to Will's point, yes. But uh, me, I gravitate towards those kinds of games. I prefer them, but that's not at the expense of games that don't have them. I completely enjoy an entire game day chock full of games that are... You know, we'll say multiplayer
1: solitaire. That's okay. Yeah, I don't. I truly think that is not a pejorative multiplayer solitaire. I know some people really don't like, oh, I don't play that multiplayer solitaire. I'm like, I want to play that multiplayer solitaire. (laughs) Get out of my business Mm -hmm.
2: and then prove that your business is better than my business. Hey, it all comes down to if it makes you happy, do it.
1: Not a good argument in court,
2: but perfect for games. (laughs) Exactly. Brave adventurers, Mondo Games has joined our party. Get 10% off your purchase with Mondo Games using promo code LEVELUP, L-E-V-E-L-U-P. You can go straight to their website or just click the Mondo button on our homepage at levelupgamepodcast.com. Want to expand your options in Unmatched? Enjoy a solo game of A Gentle Rain. Or maybe you're getting fired up for The Thing, Infection at Outpost 31. Don't just score some loot. Get 10% off with promo code LEVELUP.
0: All right, I'm going to take the floor back. Now, I want to talk about Merchants of the Dark Road. This is designed by Brian Surrey and published by Elf Creek Games. Now, Will, you made mention of a Rondell mechanic, and this is the game that you were referring to. So in Merchants, the new dark season is coming, and we have to prepare. You're one of the merchants that's helping to so so we've got a fantasy setting where you're going around a city using a rondelle. That is, you have to go in circles. You start in one spot, going to stop here, going to stop there. You can move you know, one to three spaces typically on your turn. And if you pass a space, you're going to get it next turn. It's too far away. You got to wait until your little wagon gets all the way back around. Not to go off track on components, but I love their wagons are like screen printed meeples. We'll get back to that.
1: Oh, so you have the deluxe?
0: Well, that's what they had set up our our game that we demoed. They had the deluxe and the non-deluxe set up. So I was like, all right, I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and play with the deluxe. So they had the lanterns that are the chits and they had the lanterns that were like 3D like, oh, these are painted and everything. So we all promptly made sure that we were taking the 3D printed deluxe lanterns and and, and that
1: is as they say how they get you. They got me. <laughs>
0: So in merchants, you're going around and you're collecting all sorts of items and weapons from a market. You're either delivering them or you're selling them to various heroes that you can then take with you and deliver them to locations that they're trying to get to. There's a ton of mechanics and I'm not going to teach the whole game. I want to tell you why I'm stoked to play this more. There's market manipulation. I like it whenever you can play around with the buy costs and the sell costs of various things. And this has it with yet another kind of rondelle in the top left of the board where the things that you buy as you purchase them, they're going to tick down and get a little bit cheaper and things that are added to the market are going to be in the more expensive slot and work their way down. They have an enlightened die. I think it was called the enlightened die. It's a yellow die. It's the Uh, the illuminated die. Illuminated, yeah. See, I was saying it was smart. You're saying
1: it's bright. You know, Um, dark, dark road, illumination. It's like, it's it's a whole play on. We're just going to have to agree to disagree here. (laughs) (laughs) Nevertheless,
0: (laughs) you can use that, that the gold die, you can use that for an extra action and not only for an extra action on your turn, but one that's special. So as you're going around the town and you're hitting these locations in like down the alleyway that you can't go there's a spot where you can allocate your illuminated die and say, you know what? I'm going to use this space as well. And it's usually something that feels extra special to use. This is a game where I think any game that gives you a, a little drip of that dopamine, like, look, you did something. Look, you did. Hey, here's a little reward for that. You're getting it rapid fire in merchants. I really like that. And it all crescendos in like the big payoffs, whenever you, Go out on an adventure. Eventually you're going to, this is another thing that has me just ready to play. Look at me. Look, I'm shaking. Being able to tag along with someone else's merchant trip. I can say, you know what? I'm going to the green area. I don't have the names of the locations in front of me, but somebody else, seen I'm going to tag along. Somebody else says, yeah, I'm going too. Now that doesn't mean that their wagon has to be next to you. It just says, it, it's just a matter of them saying, yes, I'll, I'll join you on your trip. They don't move their pieces or anything. But what it does do it is is it adds an extra die. What does that mean? You're going to roll some dice, and the card that you're going to is going to give some way of allocating the dice. The higher the numbers, the better. So if there's four of us going on a trip, and we roll a one, a two, a four, and a six, whoever made this journey, the person that initiated it, they get to take one of the dice, probably the six, because it's got the best action. Somebody who tagged along gets to take that four. And it's probably a good action. They didn't have to do anything and they get a benefit. Now, the other person that tagged along to give that to, they're not getting a benefit. You know, they, they tried, they thought they might get something. There's a little risk reward there. Point is there's a lot of game in a lot of areas in merchants. They did get me. (laughs) So we're playing the game and I'm like, this is really, really good. And it's like half an hour into day one and I'm on a budget (laughs) So while we're playing, I see them in the background. They picked up a copy of Honey Buzz and it had a hole in the front. And the guy's like, nope, nope, there's a review copy. My gears started going. I was like, review copy? Wait a minute. I'm kind of a reviewer. (laughs) So, So we finished the game. I was like, okay, how much is this? And they're like, well, for this with the sleeves, with the expansion, with the deluxe bits, it's $100. And I was like, oh, that's not too bad. You have me. If you throw in Honey Buzz, I'm a reviewer. I gave him the card, and it's like, well, I guarantee you, we'll put it on the show if you can. Uh, if you can throw in Honey Buzz as well, your your dinged up copy, and they did. So I got a Honey Buzz on top of my Merchants of the Dark Road.
2: Sweet, yeah, mm. it was sweet. Scott, you had the chance to play this one with me in our demo. What do you think? It's very interesting. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on there. I like how it goes. I want to delve deeper into this game and really kind of sink into it instead of just hurrying up and playing it as quickly as you can in a 30-minute period. I mean, yeah, we got a lot into it, but you didn't get the chance to really sink your fingers in and really explore the game there. So I think it was very fun. It was very unique. I like the Rondell, but then the Rondell, you go around it, that also then expands out further. So it gives you a lot of actions, a lot of decisions to make whenever you're doing that game. So I'm looking forward to playing it more.
0: And it's a game that feels like it has multiple paths to victory. And we say that a lot in games that have multiple things you can do. Oftentimes, you got to be doing a little bit of everything. I don't know yet, but it feels like merchants. You can hone in on one thing. Like, I'm going well, to be the guy that delivers items to heroes and then ships off the heroes.
1: Or I'm going to be the guy that delves in the dungeons. I like that. What's really makes it pop for me is that the end of the game mechanic is... You're going to look at your prestige score, which is going around the outside of the board, like every Euro game ever, your Mm -hmm. score tracker, but you also have your gold and whichever of those two scores is lower is your base score. And on that, you'll add a few things. And so what that awesomely does is it makes you at least figure out two things that you have to do, because when you're going out to sell crap, for the most part, you're just getting prestige for the most part, you can get a little Mm -hmm. bit of coin. And then you're selling stuff to the people who then want to go out. And that's where you're making most of your money. And then when you combine that with all the different stuff that you can do, there are literally four rondels in this game. <laughs> and so there's this rondels all the get all this stuff. And then those awesome illuminated die spots that you talked about. There's. I think there's six different tiles and they're both double-sided. So those are always going to be different. And there's all these different options out there, which means you can go through a whole game and not go to some spots. Cause you don't, it's, you're just like, you it's know, It's likely I'm, I'm, in fact. Yeah. Like I'm just not dealing with that this time, which is super, super cool to me. And then it's got all this dice rolling in there, which makes it a little more, I think, like a hybrid game. Something along the lines of Dwellings of Eldervale or something like that, that has a good, healthy chunk of dice chucking in there just to ruin your life at the worst moment, which I love.
0: (laughs) Something tells me we're going to be revisiting this in one of our regularly scheduled episodes in the very near future, Scott. But for now, Scott, I want to hear what you have next on your list. I
2: picked up, now talk about a company that gets you. This company got me kind of given the background here. I'm an only child. So growing up, you're by yourself. You do a lot of things by yourself. Before I got into them, uh, <laughs> Thanks, Will. We're a clean <laughs> show. <laughs> um, and then before I got involved with actually really gaming a lot more, you didn't really have anybody to game with. So it was kind of tough. Now then there seems to be after or during the pandemic, Solo versions are coming out. There's solo mm-hmm. solo-only games that are out. Well, this is one of those, and that solo game is Final Girl from Van Ryder Games, and it was designed by Evan Derek and AJ Porfirio. I think it's Porfirio. I think Pam. Pam. Pam.
1: Pam. 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 With There's an a M D on the end. There's no D. Okay.
2: Okay. Porfirio.
1: Yes. AJ Porfirio. Yeah, watch, he's going he's to hear this and be like, "Uh, the P, the
2: R, and the I are silent. So I wasn't H-A-O. even going to try. <laughs> <laughs> but I digress. Final Girl, it basically takes you back to all these horror tropes of movies. You've got Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, Poltergeist. You've got all these different horror movies where The Last Girl Standing is the one that saves everyone. Well, that's what you're doing in this. So you have five different expansions you can play with five different movie tropes. And the great thing about these are that they can be mixed and matched. So you'll have a poltergeist in a haunted house, or you'll have Jason at Camp Happy Trails. Well, if you want to, you can have Freddy Krueger going to the Carnival of Terrors or going to Camp Happy Trails. You can mix everything up.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: the whole thing is, is that you're trying to play your cards, you have actions that you can take, you're trying to maneuver yourself around this map, to save the campers or save the people in the house. I love it for the poltergeist one. It's not Carol Ann, but it's Carolyn. So it's as nice. close to IP infringing <laughs> as you can possibly get.
1: So uh, I mean, are we talking nemesis
2: and alien close or uh, not quite that close? I mean, it's very close. Now I've just played the Camp Happy Trails one, and I love it because for setups, you have different themes. Like one, you have the bonfire. So there's a little spot on the map where there's a bonfire. So you have six people around there. But of course you have the two people that are up at Makeout points, And you have a couple other people that are up in the cabins. What you do is you have a hand of cards and each one of these cards gives you three different actions. Mm -hmm. And depending on the fear that's going on, you will roll a certain number of dice. So normally you're going to be rolling two dice. And on them, you'll have a success, you'll have a miss, complete miss, or you'll have one where you can discard two cards and count it as a success. So as you're playing, it will give you different things that you can do where it might be running to an area. It might be doing a massive attack against the killer all these different things. And as you play them, they're going to go out of your hands. You're going to refill your hand with new cards. And then the next turnaround, you can take those cards back into it. So very much like corrosion, you play your cards and you have to wait to get those cards back in your hand Mm -hmm. again. It's just silly. It's by itself. It's a solo game. And sometimes, I mean, you don't want to break out a big meaty game and try and work out everyone's schedules to figure out when you're going to play. You just want to sit down and play a game, and this one is perfect for it.
1: And- so I actually have uh, some of it. Um, the uh, AJ well, he, he was kind, kind enough to, to send me home with the, the core box. And the interesting thing about this if anybody's looking at this or interested you, ha- you have to have one of the expansions. Yes. The core box he described to me as, and this is for us old people, is the VHS player. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's the console. Yeah. It's useless unless you have the VHSs to put in there. So I came home. I have two of them. I have Camp Happy Trails. And I don't know what the other one is, but it hasn't. I don't know if I can say bad badass. So uh, I'll say bad, but.
0: We had a whole episode about Mr. Torg's arena of badassery. So so badass is okay.
1: So it has this badass African-American woman on the front. That's the other one I got. And so I am, it actually was my my number 10 on my games. I'm super excited for the con because I haven't played it. I just heard about it and I I ignored it on the Kickstarter because horror is not my jam. But every content creator I know that has already gotten their pledge or got to preview it just says it is amazing. And so I am over the moon excited. Now that we're talking about it, I I keep, you know, this is is radio, (laughs) but I keep keep looking up because I I can see it. It's right up there. I'm like, oh, I, I could take that out. I could play that right now. You know but what he did
0: was he gave you the console because now well, he gave you the VHS player because now he knows you're going to buy all of his VHSs.
1: I know there's four VHSs I haven't purchased. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Scott, let me ask you this. This looks like a very theme forward game. And you're talking about rolling dice. I know for a lot of folks that are going to sit down and play a solo game, they want to be able to calculate things and and have a puzzle. They don't want the puzzle to be too random. Is this a luck-based, let's say 1 means uh, it's entirely luck-based and 10 means
2: there is no luck in the game. Where are you putting Final Girl? Well, since you have three choices, I would say it would be a 5 because you have ways of mitigating the dice rolling with discarding cards in order to play different cards and what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also get the uh, economics in this is time. So you can give yourself more time to buy new cards as well for by discarding cards. Mm-hmm. So there are ways to mitigate the luck and everything in this game. But still, I mean, it's one of those things where you're going to have luck in this. I love it. Whenever you kill the killer, you get a little token at the bottom of it and you wait. And when it comes around to his turn again, even though he's dead, you flip that over. If there's a heart, he's slowly going to sit up and go after you again.
1: Well, and that's very thematic to those old, old, you know, older horror movies, right? Like, he's not dead. Oh, yeah. He's never dead.
2: I mean, how many Halloween
0: movies are there? Uh, 47, I think.
2: Yeah, 47. The one thing that I love that I think is just so cool in this is the box. We'll say the the videotapes that come with the different themed games. This is amazing. Boxes are magnetized. So you take off the front cover. That will be the killer. Lay it down. There you have all the killer information. You put some cards on there. What needs to be on there? You take off the other part of the game. It's magnetized as well. That will be the map that you're going to be playing on. And then inside are all the cards for the map and the killer. Talking about they knew me and got me whenever I went past. I had to go back and buy the miniatures for it. You can put the miniatures for the killer and whatever else you need in there as well. And it's just it's such a neat concept. And I did the same thing. Well, whenever it came out on Kickstarter, I was like, that looks iffy. Getting closer and closer to PAX, I heard more people talking about it, and it was just, I got to check this out. I got to, and I checked, checked it in out. And that and I was steam, like, hook in, lip in, just take my money. I just heard that there's miniatures.
0: Well, I actually, uh, I took a bag home for Scott from PAX, and I held it at my house until he picked it up this morning. So, my wife and I put it in the living room, and I was like. Hey, Chris, come here, check this out. And she comes in, is like, look at these miniatures. This all goes to a game called Final Girl. Scott showed up to pick up the bags. He's like, I want to play that when you're done. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, I'll be very anxious to hear more about this, maybe in an upcoming solo adventure when you've had the yes. chance to play with some of those other ones. I want to hear about how different one VHS tape is from the next. I want to find out about the variety in the game. Let's take it over to Will. Give us your second one, Will.
1: And now, say everybody under the age of 35, go ahead and go we'll, we'll pause the thing and go Google image search VHS player. So you have, <laughs> or if you really want to be deep, Betamax.
2: Beta, oh, that was my first one. I had a Betamax.
1: Yeah. And we all thought they were better. <laughs> you guys are both too old for me. <laughs> right, but so my, my second one, this is one that I backed on Kickstarter because I have nothing like it. It is called Meeples and Monsters from AEG. And it is designed by Ole Steinus. And so, this is a game where you have kind of a fantasy style town, which is just a big old board, and there's a bunch of empty spaces for the most part where you can put different buildings. And you got a tavern and a bag full of meeples. And you start the game with seven peasants and three corruption. And the corruption, these look like gray meeples. They're not actually people, but you could very, I guess you could cheat it if you're, you know, could feel you have a cube and a meeple, you're never going to pull the cube, right? These little peasants in the Kickstarter version, which is when I got coming, had they're all screen printed, a little art. So they look like little peasants, look just cool. like me peddling my dumb. Scott knows what
2: the peasants look like. <laughs> oh, yes.
1: Yeah. Well, he sees them from a distance.
2: You know, I mean, don't, don't, I'm not allowed close. to get too close. No, no, no. no. We, we never get together with them.
1: Peasants, you know, they're fine. They can do one damage and they can, you know, if they're really motivated, they can turn themselves into a cleric or something, but that's about it. So you're going to draw some meeples out of the bag. You're going to put them in your tavern and then you're going to put them out in the town and you're going to do that. You're going to turn them into different colored meeples or the Kickstarter version. They're all screen printed. You turn them to clerics, you can turn them to warriors, mages, and all of these things have different abilities that they can do. And it becomes kind of a resource management game. But, but wait, there's more. Because there's also, oh, monsters. Wait. there's also monsters all over the place. And, you know, you got to keep the monsters in check because as you're turning peasants into clerics and warriors and you can even level them up, you spend your victory points to level them up, and make them better. And we're getting things that you don't even start with, you know, paladins and whatever. You getting all these things, putting up buildings. As you're doing this, if there's too many monsters lurking about, anytime you place your meeple in that quadrant of the board, a bunch of peasants come running to you too because they're scared, which is lovely. You're saving the peasants, but they're going to clog up your bag. So your bag, Mm -hmm. you want to pull out the good stuff. You want the warriors. You want to pull out the dung merchant when you need to go fight a monster. You don't need, you don't need me. You need Patrick. And so, but all these peasants peasants are showing up and they get out of my bag, peasants. (laughs) But so you're trying to make sure you keep the monsters killed. So you're getting your points also. And you're just trying to manage your bag. At the same time, there's all these quests that you can get, which might be kill a monster with three warriors. Nice and simple. But all of the quests, if you don't finish them, you get negative points at the end of the game. Mm. So you're trying not to get too many quests because you won't finish them all. So you're just kind of managing all these different things with your bag as you're getting more and more warriors and whatever in your bag. And you're leveling up, they're getting new powers until you get to the end of the game at the end of the game you get two more turns and you have those two turns to go kill the big bosses and you can just wail on them as much as you want they're worth really big points if you attack them in the, with the right combination of characters and stuff and you know end of the game whoever's most points is going to win so you're but everything you have is a resource you're managing and it is a lot of fun is it the most brilliant mechanically game mechanical game i ever played no was it a whole bunch of fun Yes. Are the meeples adorable? Absolutely. And I have one game that is a bag management game, and that is it. And this one's both a bag builder and bag management, and it is mm-hmm. just a delight. Well, I got to tell you, I didn't even notice they had this at PAX. Oh, well, so there's a the thing. They, they they only have had it at PAX. So because I backed it on Kickstarter. I was waiting for it. And so they, I now know how to play. Mm-hmm. I don't have to read the rule book, which is great. But I had set up a media meeting. I was supposed to go and talk to them about the, one of their new games coming called Rolling Heights, which I've heard is very good. Well, there was a mix up and I got there and said, we're going to play Meatballs and Monsters. So I was like, well, OK, then. All right. So I think they sometimes had it out so you could see it. But you had to schedule a meeting with AEG to go actually check it out. And there's mm-hmm. you know, there was four of us who were there at the same time. And it was interesting because this is the only meeting I had with the
2: publisher it was like,
1: no, we're just going to play a whole game here. Nice. I'm not gonna pitch you on it just sit down let's play it was
2: awesome yeah I know I did see the name of it but I didn't know exactly what it was about but th- that does sound like fun I mean there is something about uh what is it sailing to Osiris is one of those games that has the bag where you reach in and pull out the workers and having that that you do have that like anticipation is it gonna be something good something bad what's it gonna be I had a quest early
1: on that was gonna give me this great power if I could just draw four different colored meeples out of the dumb bag. (laughs) It was three turns for the end of the game before I finally did it. I had every color (laughs) under the sun in that bag. And it just, as you go through the game, you draw five and six, Right, just couldn't do it.
0: All right, guys. Last one on my list is Omicron Protocol. This is designed by Brendan Kendrick and Bernie Lynn, published by Dead Alive Games. And I put this one on my list not knowing much of anything about it. Scott and I, uh, Scott, we were scheduled to give this one a playthrough on Sunday. Schedules got a little jumbled. We didn't have the chance. I said to Bernie, hey, you have this on TTS. Let me get in a playthrough. We absolutely want to cover this. I understand they're interested in maybe coming on the show, talking with us a bit about it in the future. So it's one that I'm not going to get too deep into now, but I put this on here because this guy, you know how uh, I'm not really the minis guy? Right. This is a minis style game, more so miniatures than board game. I even asked him, I was like, you know, board game, minis game, you know, what percentage here? And they were like, it's 95% of miniatures game. I was like, oh, okay. Well, miniature skirmish game, one to four players. I'm telling you what, man, looking it over and watching some of the people go through a playthrough. This looks like it's got a very robust rule set, campaign, as well as deep one-off gameplay opportunities. Now, like I said, I didn't actually sit down to get in a play, but I got to tell you. You can tell Brendan and Bernie put a ton of time into creating this. A large chunk of the players that they had playing at PAX. I was talking and they said, Yeah, we've had like 20, 25% of the people over here playing this are not minis gamers. They're board gamers and they were able to dive into it. The minis look incredible. Dude, we're taking this to SCG. You know, we can get Dawn to play. We had the. We have the Westmoreland uh, Gamers Guild for our board gamers here, Will, but we, we even have the Westmoreland War Gamers, which basically they play minis. They do the bolt action. They'll do the battle tech. You, you name something, minis on a table, and they're getting into it. So I was hoping to go home with a copy, and I wasn't going to be able to until... The Hungry Gamer came and saved the day.
1: You know, he says that very nicely. I sent him a message. I was, and I, "I think I said, get your butt over here and take the game. And he said, like, well, you know, I said, take it for Scott. Don't do it for you. Do it for Scott. This game had me at, now at minis. It had
2: you at minis. Wait, oh, wait, 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 wait. A very special mini, a cybernetic elephant. <laughs> Tell me how many times you've heard that phrase in a sentence. No, you haven't.
0: Well, Scott, minis has always kind of been your thing, and I really don't have that much interest in playing minis games. But now that I was able to go home with a copy of this, this might be the one that can turn the corner. I can set it up on the table. I can learn it at my at my leisure. You know, I can approach the rules at my own pace. I think Omicron might be the game that does that. And I'll tell you what, when I approach those rules, I don't know if you know this, but I know the guy that did their how to play video.
2: Really?
1: Who is that? Will. And, and I'm going to totally sell Patrick out. So we were talking over there, and there's no way he could have known this. He was talking about all these, you know, the, some of the very cool mechanics in the game, how you can, when you attack, it's not just roll to hit. You roll, you get successes, and you use that, and they call it their action store. So maybe it's going to be damage. Maybe it's going to let you do a sidestep, or you just get luck tokens, which you can use to mitigate your dice rolls later. And so Patrick's like telling me all about it. He is. And like, this is really cool and i put my hand on his shoulder and i said you know i made the how to play video right <laughs> and there was a good 10 <laughs> seconds of silence and he's like i did not know that in my brain scott i'm, I'm thinking
0: do i just walk away is he still going to be my friend yeah it was really awkward it was really awkward but i am mm. looking forward to uh to learning more about the game and maybe whenever whenever we have them on the show if we want to get you back on will we can all do it together we'll have a little uh an omicron party <laughs> Ooh. that is the name of the current variant right yeah well
1: you know oh. so it's interesting so well they used to use hashtag omicron
0: no they no. can't anymore no well, no no. they've way been no. developing this thing for years now
1: five, five years is when they yeah. first started this and it's been a, a huge thing to actually get, get it onto the boat i think it'll be on the boat at the time of the airing of this episode like it's mm-hmm. real close
2: yeah i think that's what he said yeah
1: but it was funny because, you know, that they've had a little bit of a hard time getting people to really come check it out because it is very heavy. I mean, it is as close to a miniatures bust out your rulers and your 50,000 dice and mm-hmm. go to town with not being that. But people started coming by and just taking selfies with their banner. And they're like, yeah, so it's like about this like COVID thing. Like, no, it's just a, it, it's a board game. Do you want to play? And like, yeah, OK. And they sit down right. and, they, and yeah, and they would love it. And I will say, when you start busting into your copy, there, take a close look at all of those scenery tiles. Just take a, take a close look. There's a there's a lovely surprise in there for you. Color me intrigued, right? <laughs>
0: Scott, let's give you the floor. What's the last game you want to talk about today?
2: All right, what's got this... you jammed up, juiced up, and stoked from packs? We got squeezed in at the last minute for a media interview with them, and we got a chance to sit down and take a closer look. At Jurassic World, the Legacy of Isla Nublar, and this isn't is, it Isla in the movie. Uh, I believe
1: it's I believe it's a uh, Baru. <laughs>
0: okay, we're back on Brian Brian Boru. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: Jurassic no, World: uh,
0: Legacy I, of Brian Boru. If you go with the regular thing, it should be
2: Isla. Isla. Well, Nublar. yeah, I know. I th- well, I haven't seen the movie in years. I'm stealing your thunder. Take it, Scott. Anyway, designed by Prosper Hall and published by Funko Games. This is a big legacy game based on all the different movies in Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. Now, we got in a little bit late to our meeting because the meeting before took a little bit longer. So mm-hmm. we were right at the end, like six o'clock. For the last the ones was of the day. Close and we were stuck. So we only got about 15 minutes to take a look at it and hear this the spiel about it and everything. This looks like a blast. The thing that got me Number one, just knocked my socks off, was the artwork in the Legacy Packs and on the cards. This looks, here we go again, I'm going with the old school stuff here. This looks like the artwork from like old Silver Age, early Bronze Age comics, eerie comics, creepy comics. It just has that kind of feel to it that was just so much fun and just it literally, it just sucked me into the game looking at the artwork. We got a little bit of an idea of how the game works and how it plays, where you're going to be dwelling around doing things, but didn't get a chance to really get any meets of what's going on in it. There are going to be different dinosaurs you're opening up, different boxes for those, different cards that are coming out as you progress longer and longer into the game. And once you're done, you have created your own custom game that you can play over and over and over once you've hit the 12th packet of all the information there yeah it looks like a lot of fun i'm anxious to see more about it really i'm i'm super super excited because Prosper hall they've been doing pretty solid games here fun games i mean they might not be the deepest games or the crunchiest games or anything but they're fun and that's what we play games for to have fun to have a few laughs I mean, I know I'm going to be laughing whenever I have a Velociraptor eat one of my opponents. It's going to be a hoot.
0: <laughs> this is Prospero Hall's biggest, and Funkos for that matter, this is their biggest game yet. Uh, and not only is it a big game, it is a legacy game. So they're they're taking on two big tasks at once. And you know what? I'd be shocked if they don't absolutely crush it from oh, what they yeah. were telling us about the game like you said the artwork that grainy old comic booky artwork that they have starts in the 19 what do they say starts in the 1950s right mm-hmm. and then progresses forward i even said to them here's our spoiler this is our inside scoop i said so tell me as we progress through this The art's going to update, isn't it? We're going to get 60s art and 70s art and 80s as we're open. He said, no, no, you're not the first person to ask that. But no, the art does not get more modern as you become more modern. That's actually a really
1: good idea. Uh, That's where where were you? (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Will.
0: Jurassic World Legacy of Isla, Nublar, Isla? Whatever you want it to be. (laughs) Jurassic World Legacy, Funko Games and Prospero Mm -hmm. Hall. Let's take
1: it to Will. What's got you all juiced up? baru jurassic does sound pretty cool Um, (laughs) i'd play it but so i'm gonna go with the one that i put a number one on my list of things i was excited about now to be fair i went into this knowing i was going to enjoy it because this is a jerry hawthorne game he of mice and mystics aftermath stuffed fables a true legend of board game adventure story Mm -hmm. driven like Deep story, so I like his stuff. I was excited, but he has—they have—he has a new one. You can pre-order it now. It's showing up the end of January, apparently. It's called Familiar Tales. If you're familiar with Forgotten Waters, which Platt Hat put out last year, mm-hmm. which is a pirate game, mm-hmm. it is has this full app or website integration with voice, professional voice actors on there. My understanding is one of the actors. well, they didn't get us. Well,
0: they may have gotten Scott. Uh, he has done the professional work. I've not.
1: Well, you know, I'm going to give you a quarter to come be on one of my voiceovers. <laughs> that counts. I'll put it in my reel. Heck yeah. Well, My understanding is uh, one of the voice actors from Adventure Time is one of the characters. I don't know Adventure Time, but, you know, like, apparently if you do, that's a deal. And it's fully narrated. Sound, music, and it's really good. And then now the biggest problem that Plat Hat has had, in my experiences, is their rule books are not the best. Okay. That's and so often nice. I would Get one anyway, I'm you know, digital buddies with Jerry Hawthorne. I would send him a message like Jerry, what does this mean? He would tell me. But everyone can't do that. Right. Everyone's not not not. I mean, mm-hmm. that's actually not true. Jerry would respond to anybody. He's like extremely kind <laughs> and loving and nice. But this one has in the app or the website. You, can, you, know, you don't have to download anything if you don't want. It has a rules index, fully alphabetical, searchable. Ooh. And when you're in something, if it references another rule, it's hyperlinked. Oh. So you can just click it, takes you right yep. to it. Oh, so good. But so the story itself is we've all played or seen Disney movies. The princess always has a little critter companion. Well, this one, the beginning of the story is the princess is a baby. Things have happened, and the wizard familiars are now t- tasked with raising this child. Oh boy! And so you're gonna have you know you got a, a stone golem, you have a fox, you have a pixie, and a frogman. Like what do they know about raising a baby, right, Patrick? You raised a baby. Could you imagine a frogman doing that? Dude, just before recording, she
0: got out of the tub. She's like, my stomach hurts. And I was like, oh, do you, do you need to go potty? I can. So I stand up thinking she's going to go potty Bloop, right on the toilet seat. The toilet was right there. It went on the seat, on the floor and everywhere. While we're recording, my wife comes down and I whispered to her, I was like, is she okay? And she shows me she's got a laundry basket full of bed sheets.
1: Oh,
0: Yeah, poor thing. She's going to have a home day. It's not easy. It's It's going to not be
1: easy for a princess companion critter. Right now the gameplay, you know, it's an adventure book game. I love adventure book games. Not digging around for tiles, mm. and you're you know moving around, but it is deck building. Mm. And every card that you have has you know four different stats on it. But you're going to be able to buy cards as you go through. You're going to be able to pretty much cull cards at will. It's fun. I got to play that I don't know the first thirty minutes. We had a blast doing it. I did it with a uh, Michael Kelly from One Stop Co-op and Jeremy Howard. We got the and Jerry Hawthorne. We play. We we just had a blast. But Here's what makes it really awesome to me. So this baby. Well, the first third of the game, it's a baby. You literally have to have someone carry the baby around. It better be the stone golem because that's the one that can carry it. Everyone else is going to start a little fox carrying a baby. That's very hard. Poor little fox. And so fox one character a was a frog. Yeah. <laughs> <You know, laughs> He's not doing it. No, I mean, it's a frog, man. He's He has a very sexy voice, so I don't think he cares. Like, well, you just wait till you hear it. Like, it's like, whoa, that is a sexy frog, you know, <laughs> but A third of the way or so through the game, the baby is now a toddler. Mm -hmm. And depending on what you've done, we'll determine, is this a very well-behaved toddler or is this an unruly toddler? And both of them have a benefit. Like the unruly toddler will be better at whatever, while the obedient toddler is better at some other thing. I don't know. We didn't get that far. And then the last third of the game, it's a, a teenager. And you can either have a very straight and narrow, perfect, which comes with its own set of problems. Mm -hmm. And bonuses and of course she becomes a wizard Or you can have an emo Teen wizard that is quite rebellious How does that play out And so is this whole thing where you're trying not to let Things happen you're trying to do the adventure you're trying to fight The monsters and at the same time you are Raising a child like you actually When it's a baby might have to go change Its diaper if it gets too scared suddenly you have To go send the fox to find diaper So you can change that while you're fighting the monsters
0: (laughs) (laughs) There's a game I can get behind
1: I give this, to I me. Mean, like I said, I played 30 minutes. I've pre-ordered. They're not sending me one. My highest recommendation is I think it's just going to, if it is half as good as I feel like it could be, it's going to be Jerry Hawthorne's uh, magnum opus. Hmm. Don't know what that means. Uh, his masterpiece. I'm kidding. <laughs> no,
0: well, know. that's familiar tales from Plaid <laughs> Hat. Excellent, excellent games, guys. That is nine of them. That's a whole bunch of stuff to chew on. I played about fifteen more. I'm sure you guys did. We're going to have them coming up in our respective shows and podcasts, and we're going to be talking about all kinds of fun stuff we did at Pax. But that's it for games for today. You put in the notes about the scotch.
1: Well, I didn't want to sell you out. So level up, listeners. On actually, boards and Bristol pack drafts coming. At Pax is like, yes, dinner. Let's hang out. I was like, all right, I'm there. I'm down. He said, well, I'm not going to be there on Thursday. Then he was
0: there on Thursday. Just I Well, no, we ended up that, that I was not going to be there on Thursday. It worked out <laughs> in the end, but I was not in. I did not think I was going to make it there for the uh, media dinner on Thursday. So
1: Friday, Friday's a day. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Peter Gooses, designer and uh, another media person, also one stop. Apparently it used to always be a thing of they would do whiskey night. And so he said, we're doing whiskey night and we're going to do this at the hotel they're at. They had a bunch of tables down there. And so I'm like, whiskey and games, sure. I went and I thought, well, he's going to have a bottle. Everyone's going to take a drink. No, 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 no. He had like 14 bottles that he wouldn't want. Hmm. And then this is around the time that I sent Patrick a message and said, you should come over here. Come on over. We'll play some games and stuff. And he's like, nah, I'm sitting in a corner somewhere. I don't want to get up. And then Stephen Bonacore shows up. He formerly of Stronghold Games, and now he has a, the Pod Father gaming podcast. He shows up with his own special bottle of scotch. Single malt, Bellavini, 21 year, $250 a bottle. And he was just like, who wants to try this thing? And if I'm wrong, if I unless I'm wrong, Scott likes scotch just mm-hmm. a bit. And he could have had some if yeah. only Patrick
0: had brought Scott over all right i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna refute some things here when i say oh, i was in a corner and i didn't want to get up i was i wasn't just in a corner i was entrenched i couldn't get out i mean first of all all things considered it was with the greensburg crew it was with josh had i known that bonacore was there with expensive scotch i still wouldn't have come because i'd be like well i can't leave I don't get to see John. I don't get to see these folks that often. I'm not late. I would have turned it down anyway, knowing where I was. But you know what I did learn in the, in this convention was don't make too many commitments because I was mm-hmm. committed to be in about nine places at a time.
1: And I, it turns out I can only be in one. Yep. I actually there was two commitments that, that I mean, it was getting towards the end. And I just looked. I was like, I am just so tired. I just I just I can't even. It's over a mile away to walk. Nope. That is, I've already walked six miles around this thing today and I'm not exactly physically fit. So I was like, <laughs> we are done. I didn't want to say that. You could have told Scott. Scott would have come run it. Oh, no doubt. He, yeah, he would, would have, have flipped like, the table. I would have been so able to get out of here, sentence. war
2: wagoners. <laughs> I've I'm been going like, like, hey, Scott, by the way, I pack it on. up whenever you're done.
0: Well, guys, we are getting kind of long in the tooth on our side quest. Well, thanks so much for coming on with us today. Uh, you're welcome back anytime. If you want us to come uh, join you, uh, I really look forward to the opportunity to chit chat with you. You can be around for uh, Origins and whatnot. Uh, when are we going to see you
1: again in the flesh? Well, my my hope is to check out Origins. You know, I should be doing Gen Con, but I just I like Origins so much because I can yeah. actually you know, play some games but one of the two i'm going to try to try to go to origins i'm going to go to hopefully Kublicon in san francisco which is the biggest california one and then you know some other small ones you know here and there but so origins is the target for me all right well looking forward to it thank you for joining us today we normally close
0: with how we're going to level up but we don't on side quest scott i do want to give you the opportunity to give us
2: a little sign off today oh boy you just put me on the spot there We'll take a
1: second and think because I want to say I've leveled up because oh, this I... is the first time I have been guested on a podcast Ooh. that I was already listening to before I knew you people existed. Boom! Thank you. Yes,
2: thank you yes. To finish up, don't pass up the opportunity of going someplace to possibly make new friends. I didn't know Will at all, really, till I got to PAX. And still, I mean, still getting to know you a little bit and everything. But I'd like to consider you a friend. And I look forward to our friendship growing over the, the time here that we have. And I'm really looking forward to it. And the friends that I made at PAX, don't overlook the opportunity of making new friends. Mm-hmm. Adventures. we'll see you next week. We're
0: going to be reviewing Corrosion. Will, Scott, we'll see you later, guys. So take long. care. Thank you so much for joining this adventure of the Level Up Board Game Podcast. We encourage all adventurers to check out our website at levelupgamepodcast.com. There you can submit your thoughts and audio to be used in a future episode. Please consider rating us on iTunes. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and join the Board Game Geek Guild, Guild 3722. Music for the podcast provided by Adam Haynes. Learn more at adamhaynesmusic.com. And remember... You can spend another night on the sofa or you can get some friends together, get some adventures
1: on the table, and level up.